Welcome to the Contrast Church Podcast. Contrast is located in Grandview, Ohio, with the mission to help people be with Jesus, become like Him, and live out His mission together. For more information on attending our meetings, our missional communities, or giving, visit contrast.church. Morning. It's kind of like walk-up music when it, when it goes. I was like, all right, I can get into this. Um, speaking of music, though, before I jump into anything, I was just like, you all sounded fantastic this morning. Yeah. Um, if you'll know anything about me, I'm a little bit of a woo, if you kind of know under, any of those personalities. And so right now I'm trying to woo you so you like me as I'm on stage. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, my name is Jerry Sai. I am not the lead pastor here. That's Trey. So uh, today you get a, a jack of many trades but master of none teacher. Uh, I am actually usually the connect director here at, at Contrast, but I have the privilege to, to speak with you today about a little bit of James. Now, since I was last on stage and had the opportunity to, to, to share a bit of what the Bible shares with us, uh, there have been a lot of new faces who have joined us. So I figured I'd give you a little bit of background of who I am uh, to start off just so you have a little bit more base, baseline for us to really have a, have a nice conversation this morning. So I was, uh, I'm first-generation American. Uh, my parents are Taiwanese. Grew up in Indiana for part of, well, that was where I was born, for part of my childhood. Moved to New Jersey for a little bit of time, too. And then around sixth grade, I moved to Marysville, Ohio, which is where I call home. That's what my hometown is. That's where my parents still live and so forth. So from central Ohio, uh, grew up uh, middle school, high school, graduated. And then I went to the University of Cincinnati. <laughs> Did that on purpose, given the audience. I know I'm in Central Ohio, but yes, I went to the University of Cincinnati uh, for undergrad. I moved out to Vegas after I finis finished uh, college, did a program called Teach for America, uh, and served out there for three and a half years in Vegas, and then moved back to Ohio in 2011 to help build a startup company called Accepted. It's where I still work today. We recently got acquired about two years ago, so now we're not really a startup anymore. I guess we're just a regular company. Uh, but yeah, so in, in my childhood, I didn't uh, exactly have uh, a Christian home that I grew up in. I had a very supportive home. My parents were very supportive and so forth, but my sister and I, we didn't grow up in a Christian home. So a lot of this is new to me. My sister, on her own accord, and really, when I say on her own accord, it's like through the grace of God, found Christ on her own in college. And then me, I was a little bit later in life. It took me until age 34 to, to, to have the grace of God and really become a believer and, and proclaim that I'm a believer and really dive into the word. I'm 38 now, so it's been about four years of, of really being in, a, a follower and, and, and really ingraining myself into to what it means to follow Jesus. And um, in that time, it's been really exciting. It's been really exciting, but uh, I use that as a disclaimer to say I did not go to school to study anything biblical or anything along those lines. I, I went for political science. <laughs> and I'm in business now. So um, with all this, I, I always use that as a disclaimer to say that I worked very heavily with, tr with Trey to make sure that what I share today is biblically sound and, and so forth, and, and it's something that we can all rally around. Okay, so let's jump in. Let's jump in. So today, James 5, 7 through 12, in uh, the different versions of the Bible has a lot of different types of uh, ways it's described, like little subheaders, if you're familiar with those in in the scripture. So in the NET, which is the type of Bible that we use, the version that we use, it is uh, subtitled as Patience and Endurance. 
Some of the other translations, for example, in the NLT, uh, oh, excuse me, patience and suffering is the NET. In the NLT, it's patience and endurance. And then in King James, it would be patience and prayer. All very similar in context and so forth. But when I first came across this and I was preparing for this, this teaching, I was like, wow, what pops into mind like initially? What, what's the first thing that pops into my mind when I think of patience and suffering? And the first thing that popped into my mind was maybe it's referencing the two plus years we spent in Matthew. <laughs> and then I was like, well, no, it's probably not that. It's probably actually referencing my golf game. <laughs> uh, and then I actually thought, yeah, what it, what probably, what, what it could be referencing is my, my, my dating life. <laughs> However, with my dating life, that status recently changed. <laughs> Oh, we got to time that up better next time. <laughs> so, recently got engaged. Uh, it's my beautiful fiance, Catherine. Uh, she will be joining at the 1045 service. But uh, so, if you stick around, you'll get to meet her. She goes to movement. So, uh, or yeah. So, little uh, church network connection there. So, uh, yeah. Okay, I was going to stop there and be like, all right, we're good. But we should probably actually go through the teaching. <laughs> all right. So Summer of James, that's what we're in right now, right? We've gone verse by verse through the book of James over the last handful of months. Uh, and last week, just a little recap of what, what Trey was teaching us, uh, we learned uh, about how James echoes Jesus' teaching on misusing wealth and the effect it has on others. And so G Trey went through a lot of different ways of how we perceive wealth and what our responsibility is to steward wealth. In fact, Trey really laid, laid down a lot of no less than a dozen questions and action items for us at the end of the service to reflect upon. And hopefully you did take some time to reflect upon those and really see how you are using your wealth, however you define that, really. Because uh, it, it, it is a variable that can be defined in a lot of different ways. Um, and are, if you're probably hopefully unintentionally misusing it and or how you could do better to steward it. So today we're going to continue in James and go through James 5, 7 through 12. And I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read the ver verses a couple times throughout uh, the, the, the time today. All right, patience in suffering. So be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's return. Think of how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the ground and is patient for it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient and strengthen your hearts, for the Lord's return is near. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be judged. See, the judge stands before the gates. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name. Think of how we regard as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance, and you have seen the Lord's purpose, and the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall into judgment. So today, I'm going to break this up into four different parts. We're going to go verses 7 and 8 together, verse 9, verses 10 and 11, and then verse 12. And so we'll jump into 7 and 8 first. And one thing to note about 7 and 8 right away, and you hear this actually throughout all the different verses, is the tone has changed of who James is addressing. Uh, last week, he was addressing the rich and the oppressors. This week, he opens up brothers and sisters. 
right? So the tone has completely changed so that he's actually speaking to those that he would be considered beloved or like brethren of his, people that he believes are fellow Christians of his. And so he's actually kind of moving his tone to more of a pastoral sense than it was in an accusatory sense that he was in the previous verses, right? And so in that, in that sense, the way in which he's doing that, he's, he's actually trying to advise us as, as his fellow brothers and sisters. He's trying to, to guide us through on how we should be operating day in and day out. And we've seen that throughout other parts of, of James as well. Um, you know, Adam and Hannah and other Adam, they all, they all kind of pointed out that in James, uh, it's, it's kind of an instruction book, almost like a little pamphlet of here's how to, to operate uh, if you're going to live out a Jesus-centered life day in and day out. And so here, that tone has shifted, it shifted in the early part of uh, the verses in chapter 5 here that Trey taught on last week, but then now it's shifted back. And so in this, the very first thing that James says to our brothers and sisters, to all of us, is to be patient. And with that, and you see this in some of the subtitles as well, of the subheadings, is like when he's ref referring to patient, there's, there's a, almost a, a direct tie to endurance here. Because the way that it's happening here is if you were to pair what was happening in the previous verses, 5, 11, or 1 through 11, to what we're now seeing, 1 through 6, <laughs> because we're at 7, and to what we're doing 7 through 12, is you're seeing that uh, he's pairing the two together. The first part of 5 is about the rich and the oppressors that we learned about last week and how they are essentially being oppressive to the brothers and sisters. And so the tone here of change is saying, hey, brothers and sisters, we need, you need to be patient. You need to endure even though you are in a situation where you are being oppressed. You're, you are in a situation where you need to have steadfastness and you need to have the ability to endure and, and you're probably facing lots of stress and trials and, and suffering in your situation. And so... James is acknowledging that that is what is happening right now, is the brothers and sisters are at the hands of the rich and the oppressors and imploring them to be patient, to wait, because the Lord's return and in, in how James has written it is near. Right? He says those exact words. The Lord's return is near. And here we, we have a couple different variations of what people think that means. Is the Lord's return near as in like, Jesus is returning back to, from heaven back to earth and going to right everything and the kingdom will come and all those type of things. Is it uh, more of like a spiritual return? Is it the Holy Spirit that's coming back? Or is it something else? And in this case, given some of the additional context, which I'll go through here in a second, it is actually kind of a something else in this sense because the word that James uses to describe the, the coming back or the imminency of, of, of the Lord is parousia. Yes, Greek word. Uh, I think I pronounced it correctly. That's how, at least that's how Google told me to pronounce it, parousia. Uh, and, and there it is. But that is actually referring back to like the actual second coming of the Lord. But in James, the way that it's written, in the context that we know from the scholars who have studied this, is like James actually doesn't really know of a second coming of Jesus. That, Paul writes a lot about it. Paul writes about it. He writes about it in Corinthians. He writes about it in Matthew. He writes about it in a lot of different places. But James doesn't have that context. And so when James is referring to Perusia in this case, he's actually thinking that there's something that's going to come much sooner. Uh, 
Uh, it's going to be more of a, like a vindication. God is going to, through a season of time or something else, he's going to actually you know, validate and vindicate the, the brothers and sisters against the rich and the oppressors here. And so well, th- this is important to note because uh, some scholars would say that this actually did happen to some extent around 70 AD, and we've heard this in other sermons as well, uh, uh, the Romans overtook Jerusalem and destroyed Jerusalem, essentially. And so that, some scholars would say, is like, hey, that's like the parousia that James is referring to. It's, it's, it's where the rich and the oppressors were actually you know, punished by God and, the, and, and, and so forth. But that's not an actual second coming of Jesus. Uh, so... Though there's kind of mixed boats in there, I think if we were to say, hey, what exactly is James referring to here? He's not referring to the actual parousia, uh, but he's referring to, in this case, a season where the, the brothers and sisters are vindicated, the rich and the oppressed are kind of uh, punished, and that did happen around 70 AD. And that's important to note because if... The Perusia that James is referring to, and though he has kind of mixed context on it, it didn't actually happen then. It has yet to happen. Right? So the words that James is saying in verses 7 and 8 here, right, hey, be patient, endure, even though you may be going through suffering and hard trials, those would apply to us even today. Because the second coming, the Perusia has yet to come. It could come in our generation. It could come tomorrow. And so then, if we're to listen and, and really internalize what James is saying here in these verses, like, oh, this still applies to us. This could actually mean something as early as tomorrow. Like, we could be in a situation where the parousia does occur. And have we actually been patient? And have we endured? And the last way that kind of James emphasizes this point is in, in, in verse 8, where he um, you know, gives a pretty relatable, especially in the agriculture, agriculture kind of economy that they had at the time where he references crops and he references how the farmer waits not just for the first rain but then for the late rain as well uh, to, to ensure that they get the best yield out of their crop and gives that as an example of how, how one could then internalize what it means to, to be patient and to endure. All right. On to verse 9. Uh, Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, so you may not be judged See, the judge stands before the gates. Uh, so in this verse, the, the, the way that James is writing, through, writing to, to the brothers and sisters here has, again, a couple different contexts to it here. He's inferring that because the brothers and sisters are in this oppressed state, that he's worried that this grumbling will turn into more. He's saying, hey, don't grumble, because if you grumble then you're going to turn against each other. If you turn against each other, you're going to want to uh, you know, take more action to try to make what is unfair fair, and that might turn into violence. He is actually, there's multiple scholars that say, hey, James was worried that there was going to be violence that would be translated from this, this oppression that the brothers and sisters were in and so forth. And, so, and then, you know, for James, he's saying, hey, they go that far, then they're going to turn away from God and so forth. So he's kind of seeing the ripple effect of what could happen. And so to reinforce 7 and 8, he's saying in 9, hey, don't grumble, because that's like the beginnings of what could be then a ripple effect that would be negative in this case, because in the eyes of God, obviously, um, he, he doesn't want that to happen for his brothers and sisters. And with grumbling, you can think of it like, like complaining. I'm sure none of you have done that before. 
<laughs> but uh, complaining or grumbling in this case, uh, if you were to step back and reflect, well, why, why is it that I complain? Why is it that I grumble? Uh, in, in doing so myself, I was thinking, well, it's often because I think some, something's unfair, right? Oh, that's not cool. That's unfair. That's not the right way to do that. That's not how I want to see that being done. That's not it. But what's interesting about it, when, if, if that's maybe how you do it as well, is when you do that, the way that you're judging fairness is not in the sense of what God thinks is fair or not. It's what you think is fair or not. And those two things may not always be the same. And in fact, we probably want to step back every time we're about to grumble or complain and say, like, why am I doing this? Oh, it's because I don't think it's fair. So like, well, let me, let, me, let me pause. Is it just me that I think is my perspective of what fair and not fair is? Or not? And so I, I was, this one, when I was preparing for the season, this one hit home. Because at work, in particular the last probably six months or so, I have been grumbling a lot. <laughs> I'm sure you guys don't do that either. <laughs> but yeah, I have been grumbling a lot. I've, I've been rather vocal, to my own demise, I think, to some extent, about decisions that I see being made at our, we're our company, because I mentioned we had been acquired. We are now owned by a portfolio, or a private equity portfolio company. It's a, essentially a company that goes and buys other companies, puts them all together, and then sells that kind of group of companies. And so I'm, I'm seeing these decisions being made, and um, all these different things. I'm about to go into grumbling, so I should pause. Yep. <laughs> Um, all these things happening that, for, for in, in brevity's sake, uh, I, I just, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't, I'm not very uh, okay with in, in how we're doing certain things. And, and I have been probably way too vocal with my boss, with other bosses of bosses and so forth, uh, over the last couple of months about just these things happening. And that, so I've grumbled quite a bit. And I can say, just from my own personal experience, it has not helped not a single decision changed because of my grumbling. <laughs> in fact, if anything, it may have actually, for the opposite of help, hurt, because now I have all these eyes on me for the wrong reasons. Right? It's not because I'm doing, I mean, I'm doing good work, but like, they're also watching me for other reasons. Right? And I, I'm, I'm more stressed out, I'm unhappy, I have a bad attitude sometimes, I'm not leading my teams very well at times because of these things that's influenced me. And so I'm just like, man, James was right. If you grumble, like, it just kind of spirals and spirals and spirals to the extent where it's like I, I'm probably, at times, after work, probably wasn't very pleasant to be around. And I took it out on the people I really care about and didn't even realize it. And it started because of that grumbling uh, of th something that, in my eyes, was a fairness thing. And I thought we were being, things were unfair. Or I was, it was unfair to me or to my team or whatever it might be. And, I think that, that the variable that James puts in there is like, well, step back. Maybe God, in this case of fairness or unfairness, maybe it's not either that fair or unfair at all. Maybe that's happening for a reason. And God's trying to reveal to me, like, hey, perhaps private equity and being part of a portfolio company is not where I'm going to flourish. And perhaps I should consider the idea of, like, well, are there other opportunities, other ways that I could be you know, vocationally doing things in the world that would honor him and then also you know, be able to pay the bills as well. So 
Uh, that's where I'm at now is on that side of like reflecting on like, well, why exactly is this unfair thing that I keep grumbling about happening? All right, how are we doing? We're about halfway through, yeah? Good? Okay. Y'all are either very attentive uh, or I am boring you to death. I don't know, I'm not sure. Let's go into 10 through 11. Okay. Uh, verses 5, 10 through 11. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name. Think of how we regard as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance, and you have seen the Lord's purpose, that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Every time, side note, uh, every time I see Job, I think Job, but I have to like, tell myself, say Job. <laughs> All right, so in this third section for today's purposes uh, of this, this verse uh, of Scripture, uh, James is referencing how patience endurance and endurance were, were exampled for the brothers and sisters in, in ways that they would be very familiar with, right? They would be familiar with the prophets. They'd be familiar with Job and so forth. And, and so when James is referencing the prophets in particular, uh, he's He's referencing those prophets who endured or suffered in particular. And so we're not exactly sure, two, two camps here with the commentators and scholars here, is it just prophets in general, any prophets who endured or suffered or spoke in the Lord's, you know, for the, in, in, on behalf of, you know, of the Lord and so forth in honoring the Lord? Or, or and, and if that is the case, that you'd find those referenced in Matthew and Luke and Acts and in Thess Thessalonians. But then there's also the second camp that would say, hey, there's, there is specific prophets that he would be referencing. And if that's the case, those prophets would be Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Daniel. Because all of them were, have, had been known to have suffered while they were you know, doing their prophesy. And then there's Job in verse 11. This one would probably have been the... the the story or, or the, under, the history that they, the, the brothers and sisters at the time would have known really, really well uh, is the story of Job. And for those who may not be as familiar, Job, he, um, he was pretty well off and, and so forth, family and, and doing well. But then he, at the hands of God, suffered immensely. He lost his family. He lost his fortune. And then he had boils all over his skin that were, I'm sure, incredibly unpleasant. And then on top of that, when he was in this state where he had lost everything, essentially, and he was uh, in, 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 in great suffering and pain, his friends come around and start, like, hypothesizing, like, well, why is it that the Lord this is, did this to you because you're such a great servant? of his? And, like, almost to some extent, like, jabbing him and making fun of him to some extent, and, like, not making the situation better, but making it worse. And, and um, he endured through all of that and stayed faithful through all of that. And in the end, the happy ending, if you will, uh, the Lord does, at the end of Job, come through and say, he, he you know, responds essentially with all these questions uh, that kind of trigger more thoughts, but then he also re gives him double the fortune back, double the family back, double the prosperity, he, his boils go away and so forth. And so he actually did live a prosperous life in the end, and he was vindicated and he was okay. But it's not to say he did not get that without the suffering. Right? He had to suffer. He had lost it all. He went through pain and agony in order, uh, and you know, what was unfair, if you will, and so forth. But uh, he endured through all that. He was patient and endured through all that. And then he was able to be blessed by the Lord afterwards. And so I think 
the reason that we hear that from James and that example in particular is to acknowledge that if we are to be patient and, and to endure, we're going to sign up essentially for hardships. We're going to sign up for suffering and so forth. And it's almost like a test to some extent of how can we stay patient and endure and surrender and to the Lord in those times of, of, of suffering and, and oppression or whatever it may be. And there was one particular quote that, uh, on, on Job that I thought was really, really powerful. So I'm just going to read it verbatim uh, that when I was going through the, the prep for this. It goes as this. Job reveals a character who stuck it out, who trusted in God, and who did so fully aware of the fundamental injustice he had experienced. Maybe then, Job is the perfect example for the oppressed poor. Patience here need not be understood as quietude or passivity. Perhaps genuine patience involves realities like protesting to God, yet without surrendering one's integrity or one's faith in God or losing the path of following Jesus. What a strong example of how to be patient and endure. And then our last verse for today. And above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall into judgment. So in this final part of the teaching today, uh, this is something that may be familiar. This is something that we heard Jesus sharing, in particular in Matthew, comes through in Matthew, and so forth. It's 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 widely known that it's like this is G- James's paraphrase of what G- what Jesus was sharing in regards to your yes being your yes and your no being your no. Um, here, James is reemphasizing Jesus's like essentially guidance to say like, hey, don't. Don't connect your integrity, which is casual yeses and nos, and kind of throwing out your word, yes or no, here or there, whatever it might be. Uh, James does throw on an extra, or any other oath, right, on top of heaven and earth. Uh, He's not saying you can't take oaths, like if you were in a trial and you had to take an oath to tell the truth, like you're allowed to do it. He's he's, he's not saying that, but really what he's trying to say is he's advocating that if you are to say yes or you are to say no, that you are actually going to uphold that yes, uphold that no, and be truthful to it. Um, and, and stay in tune then with the power of that yes, that power of that no, that, that God intended to be. Now, this last verse, as relation to the rest of it, it's interesting, there's an interesting dichotomy there too. The reason this is important to the previous verses we were just covering is because the patience and endurance that was referenced in the first you know, verses that we talked through all require surrender. They all require surrendering to the Lord in some sense. And in surrendering to the Lord, that means that if you say yes, you actually are going to fulfill that yes. If you say no, you're actually going to fulfill that no. And like, it also means that you have to be able to control your own ability to let go of control. I mentioned I lived in Vegas, right? So when I was out in Vegas, I would see this on occasion in a lot of interesting ways where the yes wasn't the yes, the no wasn't the no. And really what, what, what I mean by it is like the control variable that a, we as humans try to grasp and hold on to so, so tightly to turn into very bad things. So I can think of in particular one, one gentleman, disclaimer this is not me, but one gentleman that 
was, was in town, some friends were in town, it was uh, one of my buddies, uh, bachelor parties, and he was one of his friends. And he was playing at uh, Texas Hold'em in one of the poker rooms. Um, I think it was at the Venetian, if I remember correctly. I don't know why I thought of that, but yeah, there you go. Is that it? <laughs> details. Details means it's true, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, um, so I, I, he's playing Texas Hold'em, and he's losing. Like, he's losing bad. And he's losing, and he's losing, and he's losing. And instead of surrendering and actually being like, hey, this is out of my control. This is just not my day. I'm going to walk away. No, he bets more. He doubles down. Oh, I thought that would hit. I thought that would hit. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not going to. I'll say it next time. But I'm not going to make a big deal. But he doubles down. Uh, and um, he just keeps betting. He keeps betting. And then he loses all that. And then he goes to the ATM, and he pulls out more money. He loses all that. And then he goes and he, I don't know if you guys know what this is, but he pulls out a line of credit on his credit card. Yeah, the groans tell you it's not good. Yeah. Like, he just keeps going and going and going. Before he knows it, he's like lost, lost it all and some. I remember seeing him at the end of that trip, because this was earlier on in the bachelor trip, end of that trip, and you could just see it. Like, he was just a shell of a human, because he had seen how, how poorly it had all gone. He had not won any of it back. And it was, it was pretty, pretty, pretty bad. But it was a real-life example when going through this where I was like, oh, my gosh, I've seen that, where that loss of control and that losing at the very beginning triggered insecurity, triggered a desire like, oh, I need to make this right. I need to control. I can fix this. I can fix this. I can fix this. And then he just keeps going, and this vicious cycle just betting more and all that. And now maybe you can't relate to it in, in like a Vegas gambling sense, I wonder if there are things in your life where, like, you kind of lose a little bit of that control, and instead of patience, endurance through through it, and a surrender to God, you do and take other actions. I can think of some of my life where I try to just regain control, and it just leads to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing that is unhealthy, and it's not how God wants us to live because God's trying to protect us, and James is using his opportunity to write this letter to these brothers and sisters to kind of help them see that as well. So as we close out here, a recap of what James shares with us in James 5, 7 through 12. He shares with us to be patient. He shares with us to exhibit endurance. He shares with us that we should avoid grumbling. And he shares with us that we, we need to surrender control to God. And so what we do here every week, uh, at contrast, is we will do a time of formation. And so in that time of formation, there are four things that you can do. You have the opportunity to do the bread and cup. So in the back, or over here as well, there is gluten-free. It's like crackers, not real bread, but symbolism of bread. And, and, and grape juice, not wine, uh, for you to go through if you're a believer to reaffirm your commitment in Christ and understanding that he died on the cross and was resurrected for, our, for us. We have time to pray during this time of formation. There'll be folks in the back who would be more than happy to pray with you. This is also a time for giving. Uh, there's a, ba a box in the back that you can give if you have physical item, uh, checks or cash that you'd like to give and certainly you can give online as well. And the last part is reflection. And so I have Three reflection questions 
I'd love for you to think through and ponder uh, as we go through this formation time. I'll read them out loud, and then I'll invite Lucas up to, to, to play and, and uh, guide us through that formation time. Those three questions are, if the Perusia were tomorrow, how have you exhibited patience and endurance that would be honoring to the Lord? Are there things you find yourself engaging with that cause you to grumble? If so, how can you take the words of James to address that? And when you lose control of the situation, how are you allowing God to guide? Thank you for listening to the Contrast Church Podcast. To learn more about us and how you can be a part of it, visit contrast.church.